Rob Rastovich, today's guest, is the Chief Technology Officer for ThingLogix and a cattle rancher. Rob is passionate about sustainability. At the office, he uses tech to create tools to prevent food spoilage. On the ranch, his free-range cattle eat barley from nearby breweries. He'll share insights about his work and his superpower. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show. Rob, thank you so much for joining me today. It's a, a really an honor and a privilege for me to get to know you and to talk about some of the ways that you're using technology to help solve some of the world's big problems. Well, I appreciate you having us on, Devin. Well, thank you. Uh, Rob, you've been doing some interesting, cool things. And of course, you're an interesting guy. Let's, let's start there. Uh, you are the CTO of a tech company and by the way, a rancher. How did those two things come about? How does, yeah. how does that work? Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of the most popular questions, like they don't seem like they would, they would go together very well. Um, but it's, yeah. it's actually, you know, uh, I've been ranching for my, I'm third generation. Uh, so my grandfather actually homesteaded the ranch that, that we live on. So um, we have, we're in our little county. I live in Central Oregon, in the little county of Deschutes County. Uh, we're the we're 102 years old uh, this year, and so we're the first ranch to reach 100 years old, and that's still owned and operated by the original family. So, ranching is kind of more like something I don't know how not to do. Um, it's just kind of <laughs> in your blood, and you. It's something that uh, you know. I was I moved away from the ranch for a few years, and it was always like. You know, at first I couldn't wait to get away from it and then I couldn't wait to get back to it. So it's kind of something that you just um, quite literally, I think, is, you know, is part of of your DNA. Uh, The technology stuff really came in, um, you know, by accident. I actually was a uh, a marketing and uh, communications by education, went to school to be a, you know, an advertising executive back in the day. And, you know, back then. Um, the Macintosh came out and I thought that is just the coolest thing ever. And so I started messing around with desktop publishing, doing those kinds of things. And I opened and had an advertising agency um, down in Southern California. And then um, one day the, you know, somebody came up with the idea that there's this thing called the internet and you can put up a page and people can see it. So I thought, well, that's kind of cool. I mean, and, and it became a way, something else that we could sell to in our, in our advertising agency. So I learned how to do that. And then uh, that was, I was hooked. That was the crack cocaine of technology. I just couldn't get enough of it. And then I, you know, Java came out and I became a Java developer. And then I kind of moved into building, you know, e-commerce sites. I had one of the top 10 e-commerce sites uh, below IBM and Amazon when back in the day in the, in the early nineties, we're quite far from them now, (laughs) but I just couldn't get enough and kept going and kept going. And then cloud computing came out and I, I was became a, a technologist at heart. And it was, the two are really kind of, and most people think how different are those? And they're really very much the same in the sense of like, you're building something like in on the ranch or in a farm, you're taking care of something, you're building something, something that was not there this morning is now there is, is greener, is better, is, you know, taken care of. Technology is kind of the same way. You're building things and creating things. And so you're innovating on things. And um, so the mindset is really the same and it just becomes an aptitude. So that's how that's how I joined the two together. Yeah, that's fascinating. 
I imagine there are opportunities for you to see intersections along the lines of water, uh, that there must be a thousand different technologies around water measurement, conservation, et cetera, et cetera. And you must touch on that sometimes, perhaps with USGS being a client, but, but also certainly see that on the ranching. Is that right, Are you seeing water as a common issue there? Yeah, and that is, and water happens to be one of my passions. So in, uh, we actually live in Eastern Oregon, and most people, when they think of Oregon, they think it's rainy, and you know, they think of Portland and Eugene. I live on the opposite side of the Cascade Mountains, and it's a desert. And so, in a desert, um, if you know, he who has the water wins. And so, and everybody requires water. I don't care if whether you're a rancher or whether you're a golfer, whether you're a, a, a recreational enthusiast, or whether you just want to live in a house and turn on the tap, everybody needs water. And that water source becomes, um, you know, a valuable commodity, not just in terms of, you know, how it's delivered, but the quality of it and how you use it and how you manage it. And and water has like the most ins- unsophisticated, you know, distribution system of all our utilities. I mean, you think, you know, we have electrical wires that run across the globe and we deliver and we move electricity from here to there and we manage it and, you know, um, they buy and sell electricity, natural gas, kind of the same way, you know, it can move it. They, they can manage that. Um, even our, our garbage collection and our sewage systems are all managed. Water still just kind of runs down a ditch or and it runs in the ground and, we kind of get a little as it goes by and, and, you know, all that and, and the ecosystem that every that goes around there becomes an important thing. So, you know, water management and, and on the farm is, is, is crucial, but water management around humanity is, you know, even more crucial. So yeah, water becomes a, 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 a very much a, a passion of mine. So tell us a little bit about what uh, ThingLogics does for the USGS. So one of the things that so we do a variety of things for them. So um, some of the projects that we do that are really kind of fun and interesting is uh, we we monitor uh, migration patterns of um, snow geese and ducks. Um, the snow geese actually have a little sensor on them, a little collar that goes around them, and they fly around and they send data about where they're at and how they're migrating and where they're you know, mating grounds are and all those. And ducks have a little backpack that they put on and it sends us data about that. So they monitor those. Uh, We monitor the Grand Canyon and um, uh, uh, wind patterns and sand patterns. Uh, Volcanoes is a new project of ours, you know, monitoring the volcanoes, sending data there. But one of the big ones we do is is the stream management. And USGS is, um, the scientists there have come up with algorithms. We actually take and put cameras on canals and rivers. Um, they started with smaller canals, but they're moving on up to the bigger ones, Colorado River and whatnot. But they put cameras on there, and that camera just simply takes a picture of that stream, a video, a constant flow of video coming in from that. And, you know, on each side, you know, we have a, there's a little structure there that kind of gives a water level and not. So they have developed the algorithms and using our technology and our framework <clears throat> by which they can now start in real time to start measuring water at a particular point. So let's just imagine, and their interest in it is for not just for, 
irrigation and farmers and all those other things for flood prevention and whatnot, but also for wildlife. So the duck with the backpack on it is going to mate in a swampy land and they want to know, is there going to be a swamp there this year or not? And what does that mean for the duck population? What does it mean for that? So being able to in real time predict, um, you know, water levels coming down the Colorado and what that means for a farmer in Southern California or a farmer here in Oregon, what does that mean, you know, tomorrow and next month and, you know, into the, at the end of the growing season and how can, and what does that mean in terms of where does diversions happen and how much loss is going? So being able you know, the one thing, you know, guy wants to me, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it can't manage it. So the, being able to have tools to be able to measure and manage it now gives us the ability to make decisions about, all right, how much water can be diverted by irrigation? Sometimes more water needs to be diverted by irrigation if it's a flood season. Sometimes we got to, you know, keep less of it. But being able to measure um, things not only at, at the macro level is, is very important. And then the efficiencies that we get on on farm with technology. So uh, one of the things uh, <clears throat> we use is a, called a fertigation system. And fertigation is a combination irrigation and fertil fertilizing system. So there's a sensor that goes in the soil and that sensor, you know, reads the data coming out of the soil and tells, tells the irrigation system, you know, how much moisture it needs and what nutrients it needs. Does it need phosphorus? Does it need nitrogen? What does it need? So it sends a message back to the pump. The pump turns on, the valve opens, sends that plant exactly what it needs. No more, no less. You know, that efficiency really utilize, you know, as opposed to how we used to do it is, okay, send the water down and we'll water that row for, you know, a few hours and we'll water the next row for a few hours. But being able to get that efficiency also now leaves more water to put back in stream and, and for the other uses of it. Yeah, it's it's amazing technology. Uh, and it's cool to hear some of the things you're doing with it. Um, what are the things that get you most excited about at work when you are uh, there putting on your CTO cap? What What gets you excited in the morning? Well, I tell you, it's, it's the possibilities, you know, I, I remember, um, so I used to do, I, I started out, you know, doing programming with e-commerce and that kind of stuff. I built e-commerce websites and, and after a while I went into enterprise computing and, and then <clears throat> one day we started, I started doing what they call cloud computing, which is, you know, um, CRMs, uh, customer relationship management systems like salesforce.com and whatnot. One day, a couple of buddies of mine, we were, we were, you know, sitting around and we were able to get, <clears throat> um, and uh, we were able to get this little piece of hardware, you know, to send a message up to the internet and onto the, onto the screen. And I actually remember I was sitting at, at the kitchen table. We had, a, they called them an Arduino. It's just a little tiny, little tiny microcomputer. And I had all this stuff everywhere and I was trying to figure out, you know, how to do it. And I, you know, turned on my, you know, I did a few commands and I was able to make the light blink from my computer. I was able to send a message up to the internet and make the light blink next to my, on this little thing next to my thing. And I show my, <laughs> look at my, watch this, watch this. And she looks at it, and I go, watch that light, I type away, it blinks. I'm like, look at that. 
because you're going to clean this shit up, aren't you? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that impressed? Um, so, but when, when I first saw that and I discovered the interoperability of things, the, the way that we can, you know, things can talk to each other. Um, you know, sometimes people, they, they, the first thing people talk about when they think about IoT, they start thinking about robots and artificial intelligence and Big Brother. And that stuff is so far. I mean, will it ever happen? I don't, I don't know. But that's not where we're at. We're at the place now where the ability where we can actually make the efficiencies of not just water production, but distribution. Um, business models are changing. Um, consumer patterns are changing. You know, this is the whole idea. I had a, had a guy come to me once and he wanted to make a, he wanted, he was a pool guy. And he says, uh, I, I want to make a new website so that people can order online and they can schedule appointments online. And, you know, they can order their parts and they can order their chemicals. And I, and I says, it's no, 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 let's, let's not do that. What happened? Let's just, let's sell your customers a connected pump, a connected pool pump. You put the pool pump in the pool and you sell it to them and it costs a couple hundred bucks. And that pump tells you all the chemicals in there. It tells you how the cleanliness of the water. It sends back if it's broken or not. And so now your chemicals are arriving automatically. The pump, you know, um, does a preventive maintenance on itself going, you know what? I think in two weeks time I might break down, you know? So instead of Friday before the pool party, and having to make a rush out there to do an appointment, you're out two weeks before it, you know, the being able to provide that type of subscription, you know, it's a relationship between the consumer and the, the provider. Now it's not just what I always call the request response. I need, I request something, you give it to me. That's the end of our relationship. Now these relationships are much different in businesses. And I think that's a, a, a good thing that we start getting to be more of a, and it, it brings mom and pa back into the equation. It, you know, it starts now the small businesses can actually create, you know, uh, an enterprise for themselves and compete with the things of, you know, the big box stores, as I like to call. And so the possibilities of what's possible, that's where I have to kind of tone it down a little bit and never, because that's why I'll start getting a little carried away and everybody like, okay, well, let's bring it back down here. Why do we actually need my dishwasher connected? Well, because you can, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's great. Well, Rob, uh, you've accomplished some amazing things in your career, uh, and both as a rancher and as a technologist. Uh, what do you see as your superpower? You know, that's an interesting question because my, you know, my, my first response typically is, you know, I have no superpowers. I, I, I always, when I walk into a room, I always assume I'm the dumbest guy in the room. And so I kind of sit and the first thing I do is start listening, you know, what's going on. Cause I, I'm, you know, I'm 99% certain that everybody in that room is, you know, faster, smarter, <laughs> they can leap tall buildings in a single bound and, you know, I'm just a, a lowly guy. But one thing I guess that I have learned in, in my career, and uh, if for lack of a better term, and I don't know how to explain it, and I don't, I don't know that it's a superpower. I think it's more of a, uh, a gift uh, and not one that was, you know, not one that I des uh, deserve, but it's more, uh, and I'll, the way I always describe it is um, I make people feel comfortable. Um, 
when I'm with a client, it's somehow when a, and I think it's more of a, you know, because I don't think I'm that smart of a guy. And I don't believe that, you know, I don't believe, you know, a lot of technicians, a lot of technology guys, they like to come in and they start, you know, throwing, we're going to do DNSs and SQL statements, and we're going to do MQTT over HTTP, and we're going to do socket. And everybody in the room is like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But, oh, you sound smart, so you must be the guy. Well, I like to talk about yeah. the actual solution, you know. I like, And I think that's the rancher in me. It's like it has to be a practical, you know, solution that is 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 viable, is, you know, affordable, and and we know how to do it. And like, so, and I, I think that comes across a lot of times, uh, especially in the tech world. In the ranching world, that's kind of a common thing. You know, and it's funny, I always say I have one foot in, in these two worlds and uh, ThingLogics, our, our offices are actually in, in the Silicon Valley and, and uh, the ranch obviously is in Central Oregon. And so I always say I'm, I'm a man with no country because when I'm down in Silicon Valley and I, you know, talking to people and say, well, I have a ranch. Well, what, what do you do? You, well, I have cattle and we, we grow, you know, pasture and hay. Cattle? Yeah, you know, like ground beef and steak. Really? Yeah, I go, yeah. She goes, do you, you supply that to the stores? I go, well, yeah, we, we said, I, oh, I had no idea. Well, then, then they start wondering, well, how does that work? How does it count? And I, <laughs> then up in, in Oregon, I, you know, I'll talk to some of my rancher buddies because I only know ranchers here. And I'll start talking. I go, well, we got, I, what do you do? I have IOT company. What's that? Well, it's technology. Yeah. My wife runs a computer, but I have nothing to do with it. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> But they, you know, they, one thing about the, you know, the rancher and the the farming community, very real people. You know, I mean, when you talked about down to earth, you can't get more down to earth than, than that group of people. And so I think that kind of bleeds over into the technology world. And, you know, some of that comes around and, you know, the, the, the biggest deals of my career, um, have always been not because I'm the smartest guy, um, but because I think people feel they feel comfortable enough to know that, OK, well, at least he'll get it done, you know. Um, and then the other yeah. thing I think that comes yeah. with that is there's a work ethic that, you know, comes with when you're on a ranch. And I always, you know, always tell, tell anybody, I mean, you you can be out smart. You'll be smarter than me. You'll be faster than me. You'll maybe live longer than me, but you won't outwork me. That's, that that'll be one thing that I will be up on top. So, oh, that's good. As I think about your ability to put people at ease, to make people feel comfortable, uh, and you tie that to your ranching experience, um, it seems like there are some practices, and you hinted at a few of these things that people might emulate that they might consciously copy in order to help put people more at ease. Um, one that you hit on was uh, clearly this idea of not thinking about yourself as being uh, smarter than the other folks in the room, but but taking uh, a moment to assume that everyone else is smarter uh, and that you have something to learn listening yeah. as a result. That seems like a pretty insightful thing. What else would you coach people to do to emulate this rancher side of your personality to make people more comfortable and at ease with you? 
Well, I think, I mean, I, you hit upon one, I think it, you listen first, you know, and I, I think that's one of the things in, in the consulting world. Uh, a lot of times you'll see, you know, consultants come in and they'll, they have the answers, right. And they're going to save the day. And, and I, one thing I've learned is there's not much new under the sun, but I need to know is what's your particular issue. What's your, what's your particular um, problem. And then, you know, see if we can't help from there. But I think um, I would say the other one, and um, for for lack of a, a better term, um, the ability to you know um, make it simple. I, I I sometimes I think that what happens is you know we like the more complicated things are if we know like a particular like I say in tech has its own vernacular, and every industry finance has its own vernacular, the government has its own vernacular. And when you get in those and you start, you know, feeling like that vernacular and that that um, those those buzzwords are what is going to give you value. Um, that's where I think, you know, uh, one of the things that I, I try to do is not to do any of that and say, all right, very simple. This is how it works. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And we're going to do this. Um and the other thing in is it's a common phrase, you know, keep it simple, stupid, right? But in technology, sometimes if the more complicated you seem to make something, somehow there's this perception that, oh, it must be more valuable. You must be more valuable. But the reality is the more simple it is, the more artful it is. And technology, like everything else is, in my opinion, and we, we can have this discussion another time, is it art or is it science? I think it's as much art as it is science. And I think, you know, ranching is as much art as it is science. There's these things that um, are the intangibles of what they're doing, whether you are, you know, whether you're plowing a field or whether you're writing Java code, there is, um, you know, there's a sense of style and a sense of, you know, ownership and a sense of pride and all of that. And yeah, you can just type it out and you can go through the motions and you can get paid. But it's that art form that when you when you look at this product at the end of the day, whether that be a, a program that, you know, connects all these, you know, waterways together or whether that's a field that you just, you know, hayed and hauled all the hay in and you're sitting on the porch and going, I've, I've done a good job. There's a great pride in that. Um, so I think that's kind of the, you know, the intangible about that year. It's something that when you're at the end of the day, it's got to be simple enough that everybody can understand it. And the more, and I always tell my guys when I hire kids, I go, the more complex, if you start getting too complex where you have to have these complicated, you're doing it wrong. The more complex it is, the less scalable it is, the less understandable it is, the less uh, sustainable it is. You got to keep it nice and easy. And when you it can do the simplicity of it. And that's the art form of it, getting it simple. And I think that's, you know, a lot of times, you know, for me anyway, if I look at whether it's a painting or a play or a song that's very complicated and, you know, it has a lot of dimensions and stuff like that. And I, I guess like, I'm sure you could dive into that and we could talk about it, but the ones that touch me are the ones that just communicate a message and it communicates to you and it touches you in some way. And I believe that that, sense can be transmitted no matter what you're doing, whether it's technology or whether it's, you know, you know, uh, herding cows. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, uh, Rob, thank you so much for sharing those insights. I really appreciate it with uh, uh, really helpful. And I see how 
following your advice would certainly help me help others be more at ease. So thank you. Thank uh, you before we wrap up, before we wrap up, would you take just a minute and tell people how they can learn more about your ranch and how they can learn more about ThingLogics and how they can connect with you on social media or elsewhere? Yeah. So, um, you know, Facebook, Twitter, all the all the regular social medias you can find me on. ThingLogics, uh, it's ThingLogics.com. You can see um, kind of where we've been, where we've come from, uh, history of it on the ranch. Uh, it's called BarleyBeef.com. Uh, it's called barley beef because um, what we do is we have in our little town, there's a bunch of breweries and we pick up the spent grains from the breweries and that's what we feed to the cows. And so I always tell people drink more beer, support your local farmer. Uh, <laughs> Barleybeef.com is where you can, you can find out about the ranch. Fantastic. Well, we appreciate you, Rob. Thank you very much for being with us today. And we wish you every success in your efforts to solve all of the world's problems with technology. All right. Thanks for having me. All righty, let's do some good. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers, number four, good.com. Be super empowered. Get your copy of the book. Superpowers for Good as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. Interested in having me speak to your company, organization, or association? Visit devonthorpe.com. Then let's talk. Now, keep using your superpowers for good. Together, we can reverse climate change, improve global health, and eradicate poverty.